Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show number 16. Today's show is a supercharged interview with Jonathan George, CEO and founder of Boxcar, perhaps the greatest answer to the notification nightmare, if you know what I mean. In this interview, recorded October 18, 2011, over Skype and with a eight-hour difference in time zone, we discuss the benefits of Boxcar, the business model, and how brands and business may be able to get into the action. I'm sure you'll enjoy the energy. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, and I'm author of the blog, themindset.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. So let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, this is Minter Dial, and the Minter Dialogue radio show goes on. This evening in Paris time, uh, it's 9.15 p.m., in Paris, and it is 1.15 p.m. in Kansas, and I'm on the phone, or in Skype, with Jonathan George, founder and CEO of an amazing system called Boxcar. So, Jonathan, would you introduce yourself and explain what is Boxcar? Sure thing. I am uh, Jonathan George. I'm the founder and CEO of Boxcar, and Boxcar is a message delivery platform. So when something happens online, we let you know when it happens. That's beautiful, nice and sweet. So what's the benefit of it for subscribers? How would you, how would you uh, put it down? Because, I mean, a lot of systems have notifications. What is the difference or the value added that Boxcar brings to the game? You know, Mentor, and that's a great question. There's two different value adds that we provide. The first one is that we can get those messages to you in the first place and give you control over those messages, when and how you receive them or whether or not they interrupt you or they play a certain sound. Uh, for example, if you're a, a shop online and, and you get a sale, and wouldn't you want to know as soon as that happens and maybe play a cash register sound with it too? <laughs> so we, we try to give you and put you in the driver's seat of getting all these messages. In fact, that was one going off right there. There you go. And so um, and that's kind of the, the first value proposition there. And the second value proposition is, is more so that we, we provide kind of an archive and a history of these messages that lets you go back and, and see when they came and who they came from and and gives you a different way of accessing those and keeps them out of your inbox because, I mean, we all get too much email anyways, right? Mm -hmm. Too much of a lot of things. And I think that a lot of, I mean, a lot of systems, Apple included, are, are in the game of trying to get those notifications in your face. And so part of the hygiene of Boxcar, which I've gone and done, is I've, I've uninscribed, uh, un, uh, you know, taken myself out of the notifications and of the other, other applications individually so that I can have one centralized notification base via Boxcar. But it, so you need to have a double notion, which is do your hygiene, clean up your individual notifications from each of the individual apps, and then just have one area, which is Boxcar. That's, does that sound like a, a, the best practice, or how would you go about that? Very much so. In, in fact, you know, I use Boxcar on a regular basis. And, and I hope so. I can imagine so. <laughs> To me, I use it more as, as a, a way of, of periodically checking my messages all in one place rather than having to go to various sites, right? Uh, more so I do that than, than even uh, be interrupted by the alerts coming to my phone all the time. And so there's, you know, there's different ways of, of doing it, but in, in my particular case, I feel like I, I get 
too many messages. And so instead of having them always popping up, I just use it as a place to aggregate everything in particular. Yeah, so now, you don't have them popping up. You just, you just have the little 50 or the 100. You see Boxcar, yeah, I've got 100 notifications. Time to go in and visit it. I do for most of my services, but for important ones like messy or emails from my wife, for example, mm-hmm. I want those as soon as they come in because she's important to me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, or, or when she tweets or something or posts something on Facebook, and so I've set her account to where when she does something, then then I find out right away because you know I care about what she does. But I tell you what, the, the rest, you know, all the other messages, I very much just use it as an archive and a way to go back and, and read everything in one place. I was just talking about this in, a, in another interview, and <clears throat> this notion of the hygiene of your system. And if you, you know, there's so much noise out there, but this, you need to have that sort of pinpoint accuracy about who you want to actually listen to, whose messages are most important, and then allow those to pop out. So you're you're, you're not going to miss the important ones. Absolutely, and I'm 100 percent with you on that. I mean, I follow probably a thousand people on Twitter right now, and it's just too much noise. I can't read all those messages every day. Mm -hmm. And and same thing with RSS feeds and and, even Facebook with all the new stuff they've added. It's just, it's too much. And there's a time and a place for that. You know, some downtime maybe when you're writing uh, in the tubes or something similar. But but there's also a time and a place where you don't want to miss those messages because those people just mean that much to you, right? So when I look at Boxcar... Um, what, what I was uh, trying to understand the system is that it seems to me that you latch on as a third-party app into other spaces as much as creating your own ecosystem. Is that is that an accurate statement? It's very accurate. And, you know, what's funny about it is how Boxcar started. The only thing we did was Twitter direct messages. And, and we evolved past that, obviously. I mean, we support, uh, I think, over 22 different public services and over 1,000 developers have built applications that work with Boxcar. And not all of those are public. In fact, the majority of them are. But what's interesting to me is that, you know, people really latched on to the idea of, of getting these messages from websites on the internet, not necessarily because, you know, they don't have apps of their own, but, but because it puts them in control of the messages and, and we provide a deeper, more richer experience around that. And so we started out with just Twitter. And then from there, uh, we, we built, you know, they support in for Facebook and email and RSS. And what we found, though, is that what people really wanted, not only were those services, but they wanted to be able to hook it up to any service out there. And so what we did, we opened up our API, and we started approaching other developers, and we asked them, you know, what do you guys want? And they said, well, we want to be able to, you know, engage our users in different ways than we had before and on different platforms. I mean, we don't have the – most companies and teams do not have the resources to build out a, a an Android app, a Windows mobile app, a BlackBerry app, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's too much. Yeah. So instead, they build an HTML-based app for mobile, and then they use Boxcar, and then we provide this great experience around uh, to where they can deliver messages to their users, no different than they would email, but where they can do it in real time in an interrupted manner if they choose to. And also, we bring them right back to their application from within Boxcar. And so it's, it's, the way it's evolved to me is just it's been an amazing ride because we started out very, very small. Boxcar was going to go away. <laughs> and it, didn't, it, didn't, it was going to be around for a couple months. Twitter was going to do their own thing. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And it just, it just kept getting bigger. I mean, I, I never thought it would do this. And now that it has, I mean, it's, 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 it's great. I'm very, very blessed with the way this has gone. It's a beautiful thing. So, in fact, in a way, you, you are, are sort of a gateway to the other platforms. Is that, is that yeah. fair? Yes, very much so. We're, we're almost a, a bridge. You know, we provide that connective tissue for you to, to reach your users where you normally wouldn't be able to. 
I want to go back to this point you just said earlier, which is that you a lot of the thousand apps are not public. Can you explain? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one, uh, there's two very good examples that I, I love to use. Um, the first one's actually a little sad. As we, we know, uh, Japan had that horrific earthquake. Was that last year? So earlier this year. This year. Mm-hmm. And, well, the, actually, I think it was New Year's Eve, something like that. Yeah, it was really almost foretelling about that was one of the very first providers in Boxcar when we did our API was actually an earthquake notification monitor for Japan. Hmm. And, and this was months before that happened, right? And so it, to us, I mean, it was it was things like that where there's kind of like an emergency broadcast system in a way or, or there's a the University of Austin in, in Texas that their library is actually using Boxcar and it's not a public service. They use it internally, right? And so we have, you know, it's all across the spectrum. I mean, where it's, it, sometimes it's a single developer just kind of building something for himself. You know, other times it's, it's a library, it's a big company. I mean, there's tons of different ways that people are using it. And what we expose publicly, those services are what we call kind of generic services. Those are for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And we're working on, uh, for example, the, the way the product is moving so that we can also advertise these other services so that our users can discover new services. And in order to do that, we kind of need to, we're making adjustments so that uh, there's the expectation that you still need to go sign up for this other service on the web too, right? Mm-hmm. So it leads me, I think, into the question, what is the economic model for Boxcar? Yeah, and you know, we've really tried a lot. <laughs> we're not afraid to experiment. And so when Boxcar very first launched, and this was in 2009, you know, this is before the App Store had in-app purchases or anything else. It, it was we started out. You paid three dollars for the app, and that was it. And then, uh, then, then Boxcar was free, and the first service was free, and then you paid you know a dollar for any service after that. And, and the truth was, I mean, none of those were right. And so then we added advertisements to Boxcar, and you can download and add as many services as you want for free, and you can pay five dollars one time to not see any ads anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at right now. Now in the future. We're going to be changing that, and we're going to offer extra services so that uh, what we call providers, the people that are sending notifications, maybe we want them to help them make money, and so we'll build out a marketplace for them, and and, there's all kinds of different ways we can go to monetize it, and when I put together the team last year, we sat down and we said, okay, how do we make this as big as possible, and the way you do that is you don't charge money for it, Mm -hmm. it's a consumer product. And consumers are very difficult uh, to, to part with their money, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we, we chose to go down the path at that point of just getting as many users as we can and the network effect because of that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll worry more about monetization later on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <clears throat> just when I was taking the, the deeper look at it, trying to figure out what is the premium version and what exactly does that mean? The, the, there's one, um, you know, just finding what is, you know, how do you get the value add in the premium side? The, the model that I have taken a particular liking to, which is sort of in the same kind of vein, is Greplin, which um, allows you to search in third-party apps, but not all of them. And if you particularly like those, and you're definitely going to want to pay for that. So there's finding that the the real value, and then the consumers will let go because it's Very obvious. Look at Netflix, I think, and, and even iTunes. I mean, how many people 10 years ago wanted to pay for music online, right? Mm-hmm. And because the experience is so good 
I mean, it's, it's an amazing experience, and it's so easy to do. I mean, at that point, it's a no-brainer. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you download the movie from iTunes? I mean, it just it follows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one click. And so um, back in the interview you did with Loic in April, uh, you mentioned 550,000 subs. I didn't find any further data since then. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but uh, where are you now? You know, it's actually not out there somewhere. We, we've kind of been holding that a little bit close to our chest. Because, okay. Uh, well, let's just say we have a pretty big number coming up. Yeah. Soon, right? <clears throat> if it's if it's coming over here, you know it's big. Good for yeah. you on that. And um, so you're on Android, an iPhone, and you have your web interface, and now you're native to the Mac. What else? What's next? We actually so Android is is still in private beta. Okay. So we'll be putting that out there very very soon. Um, and we're actually going to do Windows Desktop first because it's it's a smaller product and it's closer to being done. But but more importantly, we learned we did a survey just last week. We we asked people, what are you more interested? And it turns out that people are actually far more interested in the desktop app than in the Android app, which surprised us. That was very new data for us. Hmm. Well, I'm just getting used to the native to the Mac one myself. So um, on another note, another angle, you know, cause I, I kind of deal with people working in companies all the time and how do they manage the their emails and their communication. You have this quiet time functionality. Do you have any data on how people are using that? Uh, how much, How you know, do, what time of the day do they allow it to happen? Or is there any back office data that you have on that? I, I do. I have a little bit here. And so let me kind of run through some numbers with you, all right? Mm-hmm. Close to 90% of our users have quiet time set and use it, which is a phenomenal uptake for any feature. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's obviously a very core piece to what we do. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about that, we added quiet time on a whim. And, and so, I mean, it's one of those things that you, you add in there because it's useful to you, and it turns out that it's extremely useful to everybody else as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we found is that the majority of people actually silence it at night, which is Seems obvious, right? But it's mm-hmm. always important to back up your assumptions with data. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the majority of people, it, and what's, to me, what's kind of interesting is that time, if you, because we convert everything into uh, GMT before we send it to our servers, but if I convert it back, then that time is actually from typically from 10 o'clock at night until 7 in the morning. Well, <clears throat> for now, the functionality is sort of just a one-time zone blanket, right? Yes. But I could imagine in the future, or at least intuitively, there might be other times during the day you might want to blanket it out. And that might be a cool value-added function. <clears throat> Very much so. In fact, um, we had considered at one time, and this is still on the docket, no promises there, but at one time we had, we had talked about even maybe integrating with your calendar, because we're on your phone, so mm-hmm. we know your schedule. And so for those people that use calendars, I mean, there's... In some cases, you probably wouldn't want to get a notification during a meeting, right? If you're marked something as busy on your calendar. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different layers to the onion that we've kind of looked at there because quiet time is one of those features that almost everybody uses. So mm-hmm. you always want to spend more time iterating on that functionality because it is one of the more used features. Right. I, I, it's, you know, so you were just mentioning this sort of notion of, you know, if it's good for me, it's good for the rest. And that's that sort of intuitive notion. It's like, well... Gosh, yes. And sometimes it's amazing how many companies don't sort of make that gut check. <clears throat> you, you guys have um, obviously your Gen Y, you know, folk up and down, and you've yeah. got a good presence on social media. Can you tell, tell us about how you go about explicitly using social media to develop your business? Yeah, so uh, 
think it, there's a good example of, of what we do is we're very authentic. So if, if someone says something, let's just say they say something negative about Boxcar from Twitter, right? And, and in some cases, we'll, we'll be kind of be negative back to them. I mean, if they're saying we're going to leave Boxcar because it sucks, and we'll say, well, see you later. Right? Because you can't win every customer over. But I think it's, it's actually more interesting because usually those people will actually retweet that because it's funny to them that, that there's a brand that's actually talking back to them, right? You've got an attitude. Yeah, and it's actually it's gone over very, very well. I think it's my wife and I talked real early on about you know how do we position this. And I decided I didn't want to be a typical corporate company anywhere. We just kind of smooth and, and you know, you want to be touchy-feely. And that's great when it when it, it's appropriate, right? But that's not the personality we wanted. We wanted not only somebody that, that would be okay with saying love you at the end of the sentence, but also somebody that would be saying, hey, you're not. that's not cool. Why did you just say that? Because it's totally unfair, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas most companies would be like, oh, you're tripping over themselves to make you feel better about using the product to try to get you back. If you don't want to use Boxcar, then don't use it. I mean, it's very, it's very simple. And so it, we liken it, if you've ever watched Seinfeld with the suit Nazi. No, of course. Okay. So we, we kind of, we've modeled our personality after two people. The suit Nazi on one end, and then Sarah Palin on the other. Attitude. Well, you know, I think that a lot of brands would do well to have a little bit more of an understanding who they are and then create a communication plan that goes around that. I think most, most time brands don't have enough, I would say, cojones to figure out what they're all about and then uh, to be able to, say, snuff you to somebody who's not interested and to say, as you say, love you if, if you are interested. And that kind of strength of emotion, um, you call it, you can be called authentic, but at least it's, it's sort of consistent with who you are. I think a lot of brands are missing on that. So now speaking of brands, because that's kind of the, this, the, my ballywick, wanted to ask you, I'm a brand marketer. How can I get in on Boxcar? What are, what are the good ways to use Boxcar, the, the, the business model for me? Can you speak to that? Yeah, very much so. And, and, you know, first, yeah, since you're a brand marketer, I owe you an apology because we have ignored you until recently. <laughs> and that was wrong on our part, right? And, and so we, we just recently, we did a deep dive and we said, okay, we're missing, like, we want to deliver messages for any person, any blog, any website, any company. And it doesn't matter to me where they're at. We want to, if they want to send something to their to their customers or readers or whatever, or their friends, why not do it through Boxcar? And so now it's our job to give you guys the tools you need to be able to reach and connect with those people, right? And I, and I think that it's kind of funny because you mentioned brand people. I think that the saying goes, MG Sickler, TechCrunch, he, he put this out there when Instagram came out. He said that, you know, first in the U.S., first you get the users, and then you get the brands, and then you get the money, right? <laughs> so we've got the users, and now we're turning our, our user base into a platform for our, to allow our users to discover new brands and new people, but also for brands, existing brands, to connect with their users in places where they couldn't talk to them before. And the way we're going to be doing that here soon, this isn't released. In fact, it hasn't even been announced until now. We're, we're going to be building very, very simple tools that lets you publish to your users uh, whether it's through you know letting them know about a, a new podcast update, or maybe a, if you start to do you know real time podcasting where you know people can listen in through UStream or something similar, right? And mm-hmm. uh, let let the, you need a way to let them know, and you don't want to do it through email because email just gets buried. I mean, it's it's just spam to people. But if somebody really cares enough about your brand, you connect with them in other ways, and they're going to want to get interrupted with whatever they're doing because they care that much about you. So it's. 
it's a very interesting place that we're headed towards. And, and you know, like I said, when we first started talking about it, it's, it's still very new to us. And, and I, I very much, we're going to be focusing on, on bringing in new people and making it very easy for them to connect their people through Boxcar. Cool. So it's, it's sort of like a brand app that, uh, you know, I would be able to hook into as a customer via Boxcar, like I have my Twitter feed of my wife or whomever. Here, there's an app that could be a branded app within the Boxcar environment. Is that is that what you imagine? Yes, yes. And in fact, it'll all be through, if you want to get technical here, it'll all be through HTML, right? So that when you when you slide to unlock or you click that notification on the desktop, you know, we're, we're, Boxcar itself will get out of the way and, and take you to that brand so you connect directly with them. I mean, we're, the, we're that connector. We're the bridge, right? We don't want to be in your face. You know, we don't want to have our ads on there. We don't want any Boxcar Chrome yeah, we're going to initiate the connection, mm-hmm. but from that point forward, it's all about your user and you yourself as a brand. All right. Um, <clears throat> last last question, which is, you know, I'm based in Paris. Most of my environment is in Europe. Do you, how many of your users are outside of North America? Or what 60%. percentage? Yeah, 60% of our users are outside North America. Wow. And, and I found that through conversations with other app developers and entrepreneurs, that's actually pretty normal. Uh-huh. And what's interesting to us is you know, we've never taken the time to localize the app. We've never done any marketing outside of the U.S. In fact, all the marketing we've done has been organic, but you know, separately from that. And, and it's just it's a big world out there, and there's a lot of people, right? And so it's always been interesting to me how that works out. So um, you got the Japanese are in your high, your sites, I would imagine, because of the Twitter usage. Very much so. In fact, they are very one of our most rapidly growing set of users. Mm-hmm. So uh, French wouldn't be too far behind. They're they're not. In fact, um, are you going to Le Web this year? I am. I have. To, I'm in Lille actually, so I can't go unfortunately. But I have lots of people who are going. I know. <laughs> You're going to be there. I. I I'm hoping to, but I'm not sure yet. My wife and I are expecting a, a child within the next month, and depending on when that child is, is arrives. Well, <laughs> um, A, focus on that, but B, if I can do anything to help you out in Paris, let me know. that We can get offline for that one. Um, so, Jonathan, just to finish this conversation, um, where can people track you, find you, follow you, and uh, sign up for Boxcar? Yeah, the, the number one place you can go to is, is boxcar.com. IO, where you can search through us for us in the App Store just by searching for the name Boxcar. And uh, in fact, if you just type Boxcar into Google, I'm pretty sure we're the first result for it. You certainly so, are, even, even in France. <laughs> yep, very, very easy to find there. And uh, I know that um, since you signed up to Twitter in 2006, you have a very good uh, handle on Twitter. I do. It's, it's my initials. It's uh, JDG. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure to have you online, uh, have you in the show. I look forward to following your great success, Jonathan. Thank you very much, and, and I appreciate your time and, and obviously your, read, your listeners' time as well. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L.
Happy trails. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 